Blog Talk Radio. Somebody just told me that he 
went to Peter Luger's and it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Have you been there? No, I have not. But I would rather go to Manetta Tavern, to be perfectly honest, because I've seen that several times on the Food Network, which is starting to look like porn more and more and starting to sound <laughs> like it was music. So it's kind of scaring me a little bit. <laughs> I had no idea that I was that addicted to it. And then the music sounded familiar, and I'm thinking, hey, <laughs> what's going on here? Maybe you're addicted to porn and the music is familiar, so now you're addicted to the food channels because <laughs> audibly it's porn. I did live in the San Fernando Valley for quite some time, so who knows? And I did actually <laughs> film some stuff, so boogie nights might just be uh, come into play, just like uh, Dirk Diggler said, so I'm going to be nice. So I'm going to be nice. <laughs> Where in the valley did you live? Studio City, Coldwater, and Riverside. Oh, very nice over there. I lived in Burbank and then Glendale. Mm. Well, you know what? Good places, both. But, no, I was in the middle of the porn capital. Trust me. I remember, I think I told you, I gave my resume to one of my neighbors who accidentally blocked me in uh, from the driveway. And I was getting ready to bust his windows out, but then I looked in the back seat of his car and... He had unfolded hot pink uh, VHS even, VHS covers of some blonde woman perched up a little bit, and it said all anal, and then I realized I wasn't going to mess with him no more. <laughs> so I, and, then I, and I gave him my resume not knowing that that's what he filmed and then ended up working with him. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, do you know how to do lighting? I was like, yeah, I know. And then when I got there to the set, I just, I, I can't. <laughs> that yeah. How long a gig was that? Day. How long were you doing that for? Uh, that was only a couple of nights because I really, you know, people think porn is like that twenty-three minutes that you might see, but it actually takes like twenty-three hours, you know, to get it right, and depending on what porn you're doing. So. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to go to any further with this. Yeah, I don't either. I don't think our guests want to either. Um, but you know what's all the rage today, uh, speaking of porn, is this Lindsay Lohan uh, was on uh, Oprah last I night, Oprah's that. next chapter, and people are just that. talking about it like crazy. I haven't seen this. Did you see it? No, I did not. I missed it. But what I did see is someone, uh, a gentleman, uh, if I can mention his name, Scott Nevins, he mentioned, and he's a, a performer as well from L.A. and New York, and actually his mother still lives with Flushing. He mentioned that Lindsay Lohan's boobs were sagging. So that kind of worries me. It's like you, you don't have enough time to put on a bra. What's going on? So, But everybody goes to Oprah, you know? Yeah, everyone who has some sort of drug or addiction issue, you look at Lance Armstrong, Lindsay Lohan. Uh, she yeah. is, I think the sagging breasticles are the least of her problems, though, no? <laughs> well, the self-esteem thing, you know, again, thinking in a medical term, we'll say, I, I'm i curious to see what she looks like. But I also think, and again, in the medical term, I think it's absolutely priceless that all these white folks are going to this used-to-be heavy-set black woman to get the record straight, and I, I would be remiss. I would be remiss in not pointing that out. 
So <laughs> there you go. Why do you think that's such a unique uh, situation then? I I don't know, and it, I don't know. Maybe these folks are from the south who are used to talking to black people when stuff goes wrong. I don't I don't know. I, I really I really don't know. Obviously, she's had other people on her show when it goes right, but. Lately, the uh, people that have been featured on her show or her own network, it's like, oh, I'm going to come clean. Now, I will point out, Rihanna was on there as well, but she was still coming clean. And Oprah was like, all right, you know, I got I got this, you know, whatever. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just that's Oprah. That's the beauty of Oprah. If we were affiliated with that, we, you know, it would probably be the same thing. It's interesting that, now that you mention it, people used to go to uh, Barbara Walters for this type of situation, and she's on, you know, network television. Now, I don't know where the own network is. I don't know how to find it. I don't know if it's on cable or the Internet or what. But people who have deep secrets, they don't want to go on network TV anymore. They, <laughs> they go to own. Yeah, they go to cable. Um, and even as a child, I recall watching when I was trying to uh, – set certain action figures on fire, my mother would have Phil Donahue on. So it's just, it's just, I, I don't know what the trend is. At one point, uh, folks of non-color will, would rather talk to us, and then mm-hmm. other folks of non-color would rather try and beat us up, so or kill us. So I don't, I don't really know what that's about. But I just, I thought it was very interesting that out of every other possible network that this young lady, who we pray is going to be okay as well, because you we don't wish death upon anybody, um, went to Oprah. You know, and Oprah, you know, obviously talks about she used to got she used to get called Oprah. You know, people couldn't pronounce her name right, <laughs> stuff like that. So it's just it's just a lot. I, I, it's just a lot. I uh, I remember that that was uh, back in in the either late 80s or early 90s, someone in uh, her, Whatever you know, when she used to that's, do the shows where probably, people would, well, that's people prob- would go. Well, that's probably when she was eating okra. <laughs> <laughs> but people used to stand up. It used to be more of a Sally Desi Raphael, Maury Povich type show, and she used to go mm-hmm. into the audience, and this guy stood up, and he was like, now, listen, okra, and she goes, uh, I've been called a lot of things. I've been called opal. I've never been called okra. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but like I said, it's uh, the flip of the coin at this point. Being a person of color, uh, either you they want to folks want to talk to you, or they want to try and maim and kill you. So I mean, you know, it's like like I said, flip of the coin at this point. Beef. Uh, we're getting dark soon on this on this uh, program tonight, uh, where we'll have plenty of that. <laughs> Uh, the killing and everything in a couple minutes. Um, there's uh, uh, this, when you're working at the U.S. Open, Tamika. Do you, do you get to go to the matches for free when you're not on the clock? Yes, absolutely. I am That's looking awesome. forward to that. I, I'm looking forward to that. And I actually, if anyone follows me on Instagram, it's uh, E F F Y O U K I D D F U Kid. I will actually post a picture of me in the Ralph Lauren tennis skirt and uh, polo t-shirt that I'm required to wear 
even when I'm doing crowd control outside of the store. So that that's going to be hot. I actually I actually got the larger size because uh, the large was uh, a little bit too flattering. So I, I just went with the a, a, a larger size just so I feel more comfortable. But it should be fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Good thing I know a little bit of Spanish, but I know like the United Nations are going to be out there. So I, I'm anticipating a lot of sign language in the respect of dealing with uh, Europeans and uh-huh. everything else. And I'm going to leave it at that. So I used to, in New Haven, there's a tournament. I think it's called the New Haven International at Yale now. It used to be the Pilot Pen International. Before that, it was the Volvo International. When it was the Pilot Pen International Tennis Tournament, it's one of the lead-ups to the U.S. Open. Um, used to have men, then it was women, then it was men and women, and then it was uh, just women again. I, and now I think it's just women. That tournament is just a, kind of a mess now. Uh, but when I worked there, we got to go to the matches uh, for free. I was a parking attendant uh, there. Ooh. And um, I, you know, I remember one night I saw one of my uh, uh, supervisors, and he, I had two of my friends with me, so he snuck me three passes. You know, and we went and we got to see Venus Williams play for free, and uh, and it was awesome. It's, uh, it's nothing like tennis, especially, uh, you know, live at night on the East Coast, it, and there's nothing like New York crowds, so I, I guarantee you'll enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting and fun. It's like a, I won't say a once-in-a-lifetime experience, I mean, to work it, because obviously, you know, I could not afford a ticket for it, but this is going to be different just in the fact that you're dealing with the entire world, you're one of the ambassadors of the world, even for, you know, a particular store that you're working for, whether it's Ralph Lauren or Wilson or Nike, or Nike, and it's, mm-hmm. uh, you have to uh, be on your P's and Q's, but also I will say this, again, being, you know, paramilitary trained as a medic, we're also looking out to make sure that everyone has a safe and fun time. And if anything well, does great. jump off, anything does jump off, you know, you, uh, anyone coming oh. to open, realize that you have, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, your boy, Denny Love, who rocked Arlene's Grocery like two, three weekends ago. That was crazy, crazy good, and I cannot wait to see his next show. I really can't. It, it, it's too much for me. The, the energy. So he was. He was good. Oh, Ryan! I, I couldn't. I hadn't. I didn't anticipate almost dancing because dancing, I, I actually might hurt myself. But <laughs> that that was um, that was beautiful. The way that he commands his band and the way that they perform, and that was a very, I'm so glad I got a chance to see them live. Uh, I know I know. he says his mixture is like, his music is like a mixture between Prince and Jamiroquai, but he actually has his own little uh, twerk, we'll say, in there, and can go for broke. So, it, Would you say that he's better than, better than Bieber? I would put my life on it, actually. <laughs> that's that's a bold statement. It, it is, but 
Now, if you ask me about One Direction, which went, went a different direction, I don't know. But Bieber, yeah, I, it's not even a comparison. I can't even. I wouldn't even compare. That's why I don't understand why this guy is not making big money like Justin. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, you know. Well, here's the thing. He went to college. That's what do I say all the time? <laughs> do not go to college. That's true. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that that was a good time. I have never seen him live. I feel like I may have seen him dance once when he was in like dance works in college or something. Ryan, uh, you would have fully enjoyed this show. Trust me. That I couldn't believe when I was watching, and and the people around me were asking, "My God, why is this guy not famous?" But they were just on fire. I mean, you know, you're a performer. Sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. I think this guy, when he has it, he has it. And even when he doesn't have it, there's still something there that has it. That's the impression mm-hmm. that I got staying out very late on the Lower East Side, uh, minding my own business, trying to enjoy a show. And by the end of the show, he wore us out. I mean, he literally wore us out. And I was not dancing. I was moving around. But I was not dancing. By the time I walked to the F train, I, I just I couldn't believe it. I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So, but uh, he definitely wants to come back to the show when uh, he gets the opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Well, he's he's always welcome. <laughs> Yeah. 
Tamika Kidd and I would like to welcome a true renaissance man, actor, author, activist, and his new movie with Reese Witherspoon uh, called The Good Lie is set to be released December 20th. Please welcome the program, Emmanuel Dow. Emmanuel, how are you? I'm good, man. How you doing, sir? We are doing just fine over here. So Hello, you, Emmanuel. You're... I'm Tamika. Hello. Hi, Tamika. How you doing? <laughs> uh, your story, sir, is incredible. Um, I know we don't have a lot of time, but I, I definitely want to get some of your background first uh, before we get into your current endeavors. So you come uh, from southern Sudan. You were born into a war-torn region, correct? Yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up. I was born when my country was uh, at war. And so I experienced how everything was happening. And when you were a child, you were uh, kind of forced to be a, a child soldier, right? Well, what happened is where... We went to Ethiopia like we were going to go to school. We actually went to school for a while. Then after a while, then that's when we we got trained, and that's when I became a child soldier. Okay, so you had some schooling and then went right into into battle, so to speak. It wasn't straight, but it took different situations and occasions. Um, and uh, how did you come out of that? You were you were rescued by somebody? Well, what happened is uh, during that time the movement had politics and it split it into two, and then people were turning against each other. There was tribal disagreement, and that's when an escape was planned, and through that escape we're like, close to 400 and only 16 of us survived in the end of the journey and that's why I arrived in a place called what? I met a British aid worker called Emma McCune and that's how she smuggled me into Kenya to go to school so uh, I mean what, what was a, a typical day for you like then it must have been very intense you know when you are in it you know probably get used to the situation but you wish that mm-hmm. things would end. Everybody's dreaming that war end. But a child would dream to go to school. I always wanted to go to school. I wanted uh the problem to finish to a school. Just imagine six years old, seven years old batting their own death. At the age of twelve, thirteen you're living a life of an adult. You know? Yeah. You have headaches, yeah. you're you're not normal you're not sleeping all the time because mm-hmm. you have to keep awake. And then most of the journeys we were walking. There were no cars, transportation. I remember one journey we were walking by foot and I almost lost my toe. And there was another person who was with us who actually had a toe problem. And then what happened is the guy had to, we had to leave him. He died. Oh my God! He couldn't. He couldn't walk. So in the end, because we lied to him, we're going to pick him later, and we never picked him. By the time he saw us, like uh, 200 meters away, he took a gun and shot himself. Did he just? He he knew that that was the end for him, so he shot himself. Yes. 
I can't imagine going through that uh, at, at such a young age. Um, and you uh, eventually, uh, uh, a woman by the name of Emma McCune uh, came along. And, and tell, tell us a little bit about her. Well, Emma McCune was a British aid worker who was working in Kenya and went to South Sudan. And what she did was she wanted to help kids. And so that's how I happened to be one of them that she helped. She rescued over 150 child soldiers in our time, but now she died. You know, and so I even have a song called Emma, and I'm trying to build a school in our, in our honor. At the moment, we're in the process to 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 keep her name alive in the one of the villages where she's buried in, in South Sudan. Well, that's definitely a beautiful gesture, and th- this will be the Emma Academy? Yes, Emma Academy. If anybody wants to know what's going on, they can go to losetowin.net and see how they can support. Okay, losetowin.net. And Tamika, I hear you chomping at the bit over there. Well, just uh, hearing your experience, Emmanuel, uh, your music has such an incredible energy with it. What would you say, especially having done particular events with Mandela and what have you, with your experience as a child, what would you say is the most critical thing that you would want to express with your music? Well, what I do when I'm on a stage, I take it. When I'm about to perform, if I don't meditate at least for 15, 20 minutes to remind myself about what I'm about to do, sometimes I forget my words, sometimes I don't get it right. But when I take time to think and meditate and understand this is a platform, this is an opportunity for me to represent thousands, this is for me to voice out and speak on the comrades who died in the way for those many children, and I also take it like a battlefield. Now I'm going to a battlefield. Let me put my best fight. And that's when I perform and go for it. And that's a way to energize myself. It's like I perform like it's my last day that I'm not going to come back alive. So that's how I normally push it. And so the experience there, music is where I, I get to see heaven again. This is where I get to become a child. This is this is the place. This is the painkiller. This is where uh, I'm happy. You know. Yes, I understand. Music is the painkiller. I understand. I understand. Yeah. And while we're on your music, um, you have a new album out called "See Me, Mama." Uh, what can your fans expect to uh, hear on the album, and, and what does the title mean? Well, see, see Me Mama is, I'm still searching myself on an artist. There's We Want Peace and See Me Mama. There's the song See Me Mama. I have a song called Babylon. You know, there are different diverse songs. It's hard for me to have one album with each track sounding almost the same. Like, when I write songs, they never sound the same, but they're consi- consistently different after the next one. Oh, okay. And, um... And, and the title, uh, See Me Mama, what does that uh, signify to you? It's talking, telling my mom, see me where I am. Because sometimes I feel like I'm still dreaming. I've been walking mm-hmm. up here. Because everything is not yet real. 
you know, where I was before and now, from having nightmares every time, from the battlefield, losing everything we own, I'm here. I'm a young man, like, from the age of seven, taking care of myself up to now. I've been an advocate or an activist, seeing my homeless band down. Everywhere I go, I always tell the story. This is what happened. They came and we ran, so and so died. So as a kid, I always spoke out about what happened. And I'm still doing it now. It's a story that definitely needs to be told, and I feel like a lot of people in in this um, part of the world are, are ignorant to what goes on over there. Um, and you have uh, a lot of people in the entertainment industry who uh, try to make people more aware, and, and you, sir, have gotten the support uh, of your music and of your activism from Alicia Keys, Peter Gabriel, George Clooney, Richard Branson, Nelson Mandela, Annie Lennox, DMC, Russell Simmons. What, uh, what does their support mean to you? Well, you see, all these people want the best for everyone. And if you mm-hmm. search each and every person, you mentioned that doing something somewhere, something to make the world better. The idea of this is to call out to the people when we come together and we put a spotlight in a dark place, the evil perform less. It's not a one-man show. One person cannot make this world better. It's a collection of voices together to echo together to break those walls that are blocking people or to to, to scare away the evil. You know, the evil doesn't do evil in the light. It's difficult. They do it in the dark when no one is able to see them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I mean, it's really remarkable you were uh, invited to perform at Nelson Mandela's 90th birthday party. Tell us a little bit about that experience. Well, that was massive. I happened to meet Nelson Mandela during that time. And when I was there, it was, it was great. It was great to meet amazing artists. And also to perform, and then for him to 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 send me a message after that, like continue the good fight. You know, now we have handled the torch to young people, and it's someone that I've been look after. You know, these are people who have helped me transform to be able to follow this path. Uh, it's truly incredible that he uh, kept in correspondence with you after that and everything. And that's 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 amazing. Um, and uh, regarding your charity work, Emmanuel, you, uh, you're a spokesperson for Amnesty International and Oxfam, and, um, and you created a charity of your own called Foi Africa. Tell us, about, um, tell us about your charity. Well, Gua Africa works with families and individuals to help them overcome the effect of war and poverty. And so it started by creating opportunities for young people to go to school. The way it started, we used to wash people's cars, houses, toilets, their gardens, we clean it up, and then they'll ask us what do you own, we tell them we're trying to raise school fees to put somebody in school. Sometimes we're lucky we find somebody who was a big hand and they're able to help many young people. And so... That's how, how it continued. Now we've got grown big, and now we want to build schools. You now we have guys who have finished university, guys who are still in high school. We have guys who have finished colleges teaching as teachers. So we have that's how we focus. And mostly it's individuals supporting it. It's not a big organization. It's a small organization that does impact. No big budget spent on big things. It's 
the minimum, the budget is minimum that is spent on people, on on the people working. Right. Uh, and do you find that that is kind of the the right way to go about this sort of thing? Is is keeping the your your budget at a minimum so the uh, the people you're trying to help can re- reap the most benefits out of it. Yeah, because if you look at it nowadays, most organizations have become commercial. They're not mm-hmm. solution driven. They're like treatment, you know, like hospitals, like doctors. We don't want to give you cure. We just want you to keep on there so you come for more drugs. Then you find small organizations who have become healers. They enter a community, they do something tangible, and you could see the results, the transformation. You know? Yeah. And you see the community <laughs> becoming independent. You know? Some big organization going to a smaller area, the problem even becomes bigger. You know? You have a big <laughs> budget, 12% is what actually goes and do the job. And the rest goes into pockets and pay bills. Then yeah. you have a small organization that spend maybe 5 or 12% of their budget on administration and 80% of their money goes to do the job. So a big organization spend 80% on administration and probably 20% to do the job. Well, it sounds like you're doing it right. And you not only have that, but there's the We Want Peace Movement, the Lose to Win Challenge, the 100 High School Tour. Um, I mean, you, you are so busy, sir. Where do you find time to do all this? Man, it's time. There's always time when you've got the passion. Always time when you have a passion. Uh, and where can people go to find out about um, those three things? We Want Peace, Lose to Well, you, you mentioned LoseToWin.net, uh, the We Want Peace movement. Uh, what's the website? WeWantPeace.org. And what is That's that movement, movement about exactly? It's about calling people to become peace soldiers. Go out there and represent whichever skill that you have to make the world better. Find time, one in a week, one hour of your time. Give it to somebody who needs it or give it to a charity. You know? Mm-hmm. And speaking and of giving to childhood. You so, so much I'm sorry, joy by just... Uh, by just being there, because this world need everybody. And the way I look at it, when the sun shines, it shines upon all of us. The sun does not discriminate. Mm-hmm. It shines on the plant, the water. It it help create help uh, create evaporation to take place. It rain down on the plant. The plants make food, feed animals, and plants feed us. The moon shines at night, and you see what it does. It helps balance the water. And so we could look at our nature, how all these things are happening, and we could learn from it. Where We depend on each other for our survival. Well, yeah. that's why they call us living things. To make our world, if you look around, you see it's like Mother Earth. It's hurting. The environment is getting polluted. We've got many diseases happening. So 
who are going to solve these problems that are happening. There's a genocide happening. There's a human right abuses all over the place. There's so many things happening. So we, the reason why I'm doing We Want Peace is to create awareness and ask people, look, there is a place for you in this world. Just go out there and pick one thing and do it. That's really beautiful um, and uh, makes a lot of sense. That is absolutely... That is absolutely beautiful, and that's why I'm sitting here thinking, like, I don't really have another question to ask because people really do need to slow down for a minute and, you know, take yeah. stock of what is taking place. Hmm. Well, yeah. I, I say uh, thank you, you guys, for creating the time to to put me in your, in your show and your event. Oh, absolutely. Um, you, I actually had a, a, another question or two. You are uh, your hundred high school tour. Um, are you uh, are you doing music? Are you speaking? What are you doing uh, at these high schools? Well, I combine. I do speaking and also I perform. So now people seem to like it. That's one hundred school tour. So it's looked like I'll be doing a lot of school tours when I'm not on other concerts. So mm -hmm. I'll be touring. I go to a place and I get schools there. Sometimes teachers connect me and then I just build a tour around there where I go to schools, after school, after school, become a resident in a city, then do a small community event to call everybody. What I'm actually doing in the school is almost like uh, getting young uh, people to become peace soldiers. So I'm asking them, can you go out and give something up for 30 days and give it to the charity of your choice? Go out, think about something. You could miss up chocolate. The idea of it is to try to get young people to, under, to, to, to get excited that they can change the world. And the challenge I give them is the best way to battle and change this world is the biggest battle they have to fight is to educate themselves. And as they take time, I ask them, think about a cause. Once you find one, give up something for 30 days and give it to them. In that journey, they'll be transformed. They'll get to learn about the cause. They get to live out without something. For example, someone say, I'm not going to have a chocolate, and I'm not going to have sweets, or I'm going to save this. So you're not donating from what you have. What you're doing is you're living without something. These um, these messages that uh, you're talking about about uh, peace and reconciliation are um, largely absent from um, some hip hop today. Uh, what do you think about the the cars, money, that sort of stuff in 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 hip hop? Do you think that um, more of the popular hip hop artists have a responsibility to uh, do more music like the music you're doing, or or what do you think? I think what I think is human beings, you know, they love, they love such things. They love glamour. They love the dirty talk. They love the violence. It's what they're promoting. So the business understood this is what most people like, you know. For example, if you, there's one time like I was doing something and 
and I was doing about peace. Some guy said, man, I don't like this peace stuff. I already have peace, you know. I just want to shake my <laughs> my legs. So the time when I did the, you know, man, <laughs> I don't want this peace thing. So I realized they are different kind of human beings. Human beings want to party. You know, they want something. So what I realized, some artists have to choose. Do I stick to my messaging and achieve a specific thing? Or should I go commercial entertain and get money? But also, artists have to understand when you're a musician, you're an emotional leader. You know? You can lead people in a good way, or you can lead them in a different way. I just want to inform you, tell you how visual effects things have, you know? Like, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard to say this. My sister, uh, my sister's son is really small. And so they were watching TV. So there's another cousin of his who's older than him, which was like five, turning six, saw something on TV about somebody suffocating somebody else. And so mm-hmm. what this other kid did when the mother was away in the kitchen, that other kid went and got a paper bag and put it on top of the other kid and tried to suffocate the kid. Oh. So the kid fainted. So somebody came and helped and he was asked why. I said, I saw in the TV and I really liked the way. So he was five, five years old explaining what he liked he saw on the TV the other person is doing. So he was doing it to the kid here. And he's harming the kid, but he doesn't understand. He thinks it's fun. Yeah. You know? So that's why you find things that are visual music can influence us without even knowing. So music is the only thing that speaks to your heart, your mind, and influence you without even you knowing. So people have to understand what they're doing. That's why people want to have fun. They want to do all kinds of stuff. If you talk about love song, you find some artists who are so creative in the way they play with the words. You want to hear the next song, and the next song you want to enjoy their music. I think balance is great. We need to have mm-hmm. all of this. I was, I was doing research last week, listening to some of uh, the traditional musicians we used to have to the village. The most popular one was the nasty one. <laughs> the one, that, the one Oh, you got to go with the nasty. <laughs> yeah, those are the like, I mean, like, you listen to their lyrics, you say, oh, my God, this guy is good. But people realize this is entertainment. But there was balance. So there was all kinds. Those nasty ones, they also talk about other good things, too. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's say if they have if they have 10 nasty songs, they'll have at least five good songs to advise, to calm the situation down. Yeah. You know? But how they talk about, about they talk about how many cows I have, how many girlfriends I have, or whose wife did I steal because I went and sang this great song, you know? And then they can swear, they say all kind of stuff. And then the next thing is say, oh, but this is great and this is great and I like this and I like. So they can play it with your head. So if you listen, this one will entertain you. The other one will make you. Uh, become wise. So in the end, you realize this is entertainment. So they don't end up leading you to become violent. But what those musicians did is they raised a generation of young kids that goes and digs their mothers behind, <laughs> behind the house. So I remember mm-hmm. we used to have a 
this is how this is what actually helped me to actually do hip hop because we used to have decent games as kids, five, six, uh, six to seven years old, and thirteen years old. We meet somewhere, and you battle by insulting your mothers, your aunties, your sisters, your grandmothers. <laughs> <laughs> But the way they do it, they do it in a respectful way. So whoever uh, deceases people the most, as long as you make both sides laugh, you win. So I used to lose those games. I used to make our team used to lose, you know, because I meet a guy who's so diverse and, and beat both sides. So where did they learn this from? They learned them from the adults. You know, kids will always smuggle their way out. I went to visit my uh, village one time. In South Sudan, I saw a kid. Oh, he was singing 50 songs. Go, Shore, it's your birthday. He doesn't even sing English. And I said, Where did he hear that? Go, Shore, it's your birthday. <laughs> That's all they have to say. So you see how music can travel. You probably heard it on the radio, you know, and if you got to know what Shore means, he may want to try it somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, that happened to me last week. Last week I was in a pizza place around the corner, and there was this group of uh, French girls, and, and none of them spoke English. But then uh, Rihanna came on on uh, the system, and all of a sudden they were going, Come here, roo, 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 boy, won't you give it up? And they knew every word to this uh, Rihanna song. You see, wow. music is a language. It's a universal language. Everybody understands it. But they may not know the meaning, but your body knows what to do. <laughs> That's exactly. perfect. That is perfect. Everyone was perfect. bouncing in the in the restaurant. And last thing before we uh, let you go, Emmanuel, you have uh, the movie The Good Lie coming out with Reese Witherspoon um, coming out in December. What's this movie about and who do you play? I play a guy called Paul, and the movie is about... Uh, some lost boys from South Sudan, some young people whose home has been destroyed, and then they met on a journey and then made their way to refugee camps, from refugee camps survived, coming to America into a new culture. So there's, it, there's a bit of culture shock, survival, wars happening, and them overcoming traumas and their passion for education. Some of them became child soldiers, some managed to escape. Sounds uh, pretty intense. And what was it like to work with Reese Witherspoon? I mean, like, I think Reese Witherspoon is the reason, actually, I'm in the movie, because I went for audition, I failed, like, almost seven times. And so the last audition I was doing with Reese, uh, I was doing with Reese, and I realized Reese wasn't following the script. She was freestyling. Then I... Started freestyling too. <laughs> I freestyled the next script. I said, okay, you script stay there. So, wherever we stay, so we started in conversation, and that's how this guy said, oh, this is cool. And that's how they liked me. Awesome. They liked me. All right, well, gave me another uh, line where I freestyle, and, and that's how I got the letter. Freestyling. <laughs> uh, Right. Yeah, are you are you yeah. a big freestyler? In terms of conversation, yeah. You know, when we talk as human beings, we freestyle now, but musically, you have to be really careful. 
Right. Like now, this is freestyle. I'm talking to you. I didn't know. I'm not. I don't know. How I'm gonna say the next few lines. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, it has been a pleasure to freestyle with you tonight, sir. The official website is EmmanuelDal.com. Um, check out all his charity work. Check out the movie in December. It has been an absolute pleasure, sir. Keep in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cheers, man. man. Bless him. Cheers. You too. Take care. Have a Bye. good night. I'm going to play uh, We Want Peace in its entirety. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm looking for some people who's looking for peace. Maybe together we could make the world see. Now we can send mankind to the moon And we can reach to the bottom of the sea That's why it's really kind of baffles me Now we cannot end wars and bring peace And we cannot change the way people act And we cannot change the way people think So if we sit back in out and relax Civilization will soon be extinct That's why I am
that is we want that is we want peace off uh the uh great new album of Emmanuel Jal. Boy Tamika, listening to that song just makes me feel good. How about you? This is so good. I feel fine. <laughs> how how's good. it going over on your end over there? I am good. I uh you know, there's a few people that I would like to get in contact with and have them on your show. Uh, I went to a really cool thing on uh, Thursday night uh, mm-hmm. called the Orion Experience. And now, what is it, this exactly? You were talking about it last night as if I should know what it is. What is it's some sort you of musical theater thing? You should know what thing. it is, man. Yeah, what it's, is like, it's, a, it's, it's like, like a, gay, a big gay musical theater thing? No, it's an hour and a half dance party down there at XL on 42nd between 10th and 11th, like deep. In oh, the I try to stay away from XL. <laughs> well, I, w- I understand, but the Orion experience is awesome, and I'm hoping that you can, you know, get those okay. folks on here because that is a good experience. I really go – I went down there thinking, um, especially after having been up at 445 in the morning for my other regular adult job, uh, thinking that I would be sitting down and watching something, and that was not the case at all. And they even mm-hmm. did New Orleans style shots. Um, they gave it. They gave us the shots in like test tube things. And you know me as a medic, I'm not really trying to drink stuff out of a test tube. But you know, it tasted good. So, <laughs> what was it? Uh, some sort of a holiday sh- or some shot that they had, you know, before the show. It's um. Standby. Oh, it's, uh, it's Are you being abducted like, uh, by aliens over there? Yeah, exactly. And the uh, Orion experience is about aliens, but no, it's oh, okay. um, it's a very it's a very interactive musical theater show, which is a lot of fun. And my neon headband and my bracelet, I still brought home with me, so it's one of those experiences. But XL, I couldn't believe it. It, it was beautiful. The way they have the show set up. And you have to be willing to move because um, the entertainment is taking place all around you. I would say Mm -hmm. it's Broadway Bears, but with a lot more clothing because there's a lot of acrobatics. It's a lot of acrobatics, uh, live music. It's very good and very fun, but you are on your feet, and it's very interactive. So, but it's very fun. So it's called the Orion Experience at the XL Club on 42nd between, I guess, 10th and 11th. I don't know. You know the address? Apparently, I you don't. might know the address. Nope. You never went to XL? <laughs> nope. I try to stay away from that place. Why? Because of Go-Go Boys or what happened? Yeah, there's too many Christmas twinks. Too tempting. <laughs> Ryan, um, but, I'm not. Yes, definitely. Uh, I'll, I'll. We can reach out to the Orions, and they can reach out to the Ryan, Orion. and we'll go from there. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, we're gonna pull the 20 minute rule on Elliot Wheeler and just say, uh, hopefully we'll we'll catch you next time. I do want to talk to him because he's one of the composers for the Great Gatsby. I want to talk to him about right. a very kind of uh, fascinating, controversial uh, soundtrack he helped put together. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, 
Uh, I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. Somebody with me a martini. Hit the brakes, Florence. And if you have a Barbie doll, what are you going to do with that thing? You know, she likes fire. <laughs> and she likes having her hair cut. And she likes being left with just her drawers on. Sit <laughs> backwards somewhere where your unfortunately very loving mother can find her and then ask you, did you do this? This is sick. Did you do this? This is sick. Oh, my God, my baby. What am I going to do? And now I'm halfway still normal. So, yeah, that's what you're going to do with Barbie. I, I love my mother, Shirley Ann Conley Kid. Rest in peace. But I think I scared her when I did that. <laughs> I can't imagine why. Uh, but, yes, that's exactly what you do with your Barbie doll. All right, Tamika and I, we're off to the hot oil pizza in Stanford. Good night, everybody. Good night, Tamika. Bye. Bye. <laughs>